Section One of The Secret House by Edgar Wallace. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Secret House by Edgar Wallace. Chapter One a man stood irresolutely before the imposing portals of canebury house a large office building let out to numerous small tenants and harbouring as the indicator on the tiled wall of the vestibule testified some thirty different professions the man was evidently poor for his clothes were shabby and his boots were down at the heel he was as evidently a foreigner his clean-shaven eagle face was sallow his eyes were dark his eyebrows black and straight. He passed up the few steps into the hall and stood thoughtfully before the indicator. Presently he found what he wanted. At the very top of the list, and amongst the crowded denizens of the fifth floor, was a slip inscribed, The Gossip's Corner. He took from his waistcoat pocket a newspaper cutting and compared the two, then stepped briskly, almost jauntily, into the hall, as though all his doubts and uncertainties had vanished, and waited for the elevator. His coat was buttoned tightly, his collar was frayed, his shirt had seen the greater part of a week's service, the derby hat on his head had undergone extensive renovations, and a close observer would have noticed that his gloves were odd ones. He walked into the lift and said, Fifth floor, with a slight foreign accent. He was whirled up, the lift doors clanged open, and the grimy finger of the elevator boy indicated the office. Again the man hesitated, examining the door carefully. The upper half was of toughened glass and bore the simple inscription, The Gossip's Corner. Knock obediently the stranger knocked and the door opened through an invisible agent much to the man's surprise though there was nothing more magical about the phenomenon than there is about any electrically controlled office door he found himself in a room sparsely furnished with a table a chair and a few copies of papers an old school map of england hung on one wall and a landseer engraving on the other at the farthermost end of the room was another door, and to this he gravitated, and again, after a moment's hesitation, he knocked. "'Come in,' said a voice. He entered cautiously. The room was larger and was comfortably furnished. There were shaded electric lamps on either side of the big carved oak writing-table. One of the walls was covered with books, and the litter of proofs upon the table suggested that this was the sanctorum but the most remarkable feature of the room was the man who sat at the desk he was a man solidly built and by his voice of middle age his face the newcomer could not see and for excellent reason it was hidden behind a veil of fine silk net which had been adjusted over the head like a loose bag and tightened under the chin the man at the table chuckled when he saw the other's surprise sit down he said he spoke in french and don't i beg of you be alarmed monsieur said the newcomer easily be assured that i am not alarmed in this world nothing has ever alarmed me except my own distressing poverty and the prospect of dying poor the veiled figure said nothing for a while you have come in answer to my advertisement he said after a long pause the other bowed 
you require an assistant monsieur said the newcomer discreet with a knowledge of foreign languages and poor i fulfil all those requirements he went on calmly had you also added of an adventurous disposition with few if any scruples it would have been equally descriptive the stranger felt that the man at the desk was looking at him though he could not see his eyes it must have been a long and careful scrutiny for presently the advertiser said gruffly i think you'll do exactly said the newcomer with cool assurance and now it is for you dear monsieur to satisfy me that you also will do you will have observed that there are two parties to every bargain first of all my duties the man in the chair leant back and thrust his hands into his pockets i am the editor of a little paper which circulates exclusively amongst the servants of the upper classes he said i receive from time to time interesting communications concerning the aristocracy and gentry of this country written by hysterical french maids and revengeful italian valets i am not a good linguist and i feel that there is much in these epistles which i miss and which i should not miss the newcomer nodded i therefore want somebody of discretion who will deal with my foreign correspondence make a fair copy in english and summarize the complaints which these good people make you quite understand he said with a shrug of his shoulders that mankind is not perfect less perfect is womankind and least perfect is that section of mankind which employs servants they usually have stories to tell not greatly to their master's credit not nice stories you understand my dear friend by the way what is your name the stranger hesitated poltavo he said after a pause italian or pole asked the other pole replied poltavo readily well as i was saying the editor went on we on this paper are very anxious to secure news of society doings if they are printable we print them if they are not printable he paused we do not print them but he raised a warning forefinger the fact that particulars of disgraceful happenings are not fit for publication must not induce you to cast such stories into the waste-paper basket we keep a record of such matters for our own private amusement he said this latter airily but poltavo was not deceived again there was a long silence whilst the man at the table ruminated where do you live he asked on the fourth floor of a small house in bloomsbury replied poltavo the veiled figure nodded when did you come to this country six months ago why poltavo shrugged his shoulders why insisted the man at the table a slight matter of disagreement between myself and the admirable chief of police of san sebastian he said as airily as the other again the figure nodded if you had told me anything else i should not have engaged you he said why asked poltavo in surprise because you are speaking the truth said the other coolly your matter of disagreement with the police in san sebastian was over the missing of some money in the hotel where you were staying the room happened to be next to yours and communicating if one had the ingenuity to pick the lock of the door also your inability to pay the hotel bill hastened your departure what an editor said the other admiringly but without showing any signs of perturbation or embarrassment it is my business to know something about everybody said the editor by the way you may call me mr brown and if at times i may seem absent-minded when i am so addressed you must excuse me because it is not my name 
yes you are the kind of man i want it is remarkable that you should have found me said poltavo the cutting he indicated the newspaper clip was sent to me by an unknown friend i was the unknown friend said mr brown do you understand the position poltavo nodded i understand everything he said except the last and most important of all matters namely the question of my salary the man named a sum a generous sum to poltavo and mr brown eyeing him keenly was glad to note that his new assistant was neither surprised nor impressed you will see very little of me at this office the editor went on if you work well and i can trust you i will double the salary i am giving you if you fail me you will be sorry for yourself he rose that finishes our interview you will come here to-morrow morning and let yourself in here is the key of the door and a key to the safe in which i keep all correspondence you will find much to incriminate society and precious little that will incriminate me i expect you to devote the whole of your attention to this business he said slowly and emphatically you may be sure began poltavo wait i have not finished by devoting the whole of your attention to the business i mean i want you to have no spare time to conduct any investigations as to my identity by a method which i will not trouble to explain to you i am able to leave this building without any person being aware of the fact that i am the editor of this interesting publication when you have been through your letters i want you to translate those which contain the most important particulars and forward them by a messenger who will call every evening at five o'clock your salary will be paid regularly and you will not be bothered with any editorial duties now if you will please go into the outer room and wait a few moments you may return in five minutes and begin on this accumulation of correspondence poltavo with a little bow obeyed and closed the door carefully behind him he heard a click and knew that the same electric control which had opened the outer door had now closed the inner at the end of five minutes as near as he could judge he tried the door it opened readily and he stepped into the inner office the room was empty there was a door leading out to the corridor but something told the new assistant that this was not the manner of egress which his employer had adopted he looked round carefully there was no other door but behind the chair where the veiled man had sat was a large cupboard this he opened without however discovering any solution to the mystery of mr brown's disappearance for the cupboard was filled with books and stationery he then began a systematic search of the apartment he tried all the drawers of the desk and found they were open whereupon his interest in their contents evaporated since he knew a gentleman of mr brown's wide experience was hardly likely to leave important particulars concerning himself in an unlocked desk poltavo shrugged his shoulders deftly rolling a cigarette which he lit then pulling the chair up to the desk he began to attack the pile of letters which awaited his attention for six weeks mr poltavo had worked with painstaking thoroughness in the new service every friday morning he had found on his desk an envelope containing two banknotes neatly folded and addressed to himself every evening at five o'clock a hard-faced messenger had called and received a bulky envelope containing poltavo's translations the pole was a keen student of the little paper which he bought every week and he had noted that very little of the information he had gleaned appeared in print obviously then gossip's corner served mr brown in some other way than as a vehicle for scandal and the veil was partly lifted on this mysterious business on an afternoon when there had come a sharp tap at the outer door of the office poltavo pressed the button on the desk which released the lock 
and presently the tap was repeated on the inside door the door opened and a girl stood in the entrance hesitating won't you come in said poltavo rising are you the editor of this paper asked the girl as she slowly closed the door behind her poltavo bowed he was always ready to accept whatever honour chance bestowed upon him had she asked him if he were mr brown he would also have bowed i had a letter from you said the girl coming to the other side of the table and resting her hand on its edge and looking down at him a little scornfully and a little fearfully as poltavo thought he bowed again he had not written letters to anybody save to his employer but his conscience was an elastic one i write so many letters he said airily that i really forget whether i have written to you or not may i see the letter she opened her bag took out an envelope removed the letter and passed it across to the interested young man it was written on the note heading of gossip's corner but the address had been scratched out by a stroke of the pen it ran dear madam certain very important information has come into my possession regarding the relationships between yourself and captain brackley i feel sure you cannot know that your name is being associated with that officer as the daughter and heiress of the late sir george bilk you may imagine that your wealth and position in society relieves you of criticism but i can assure you that the stories which have been sent to me would were they placed in the hands of your husband lead to the most unhappy consequences in order to prevent this matter going any further and in order to silence the voices of your detractors our special inquiry department is willing to undertake the suppression of these scandal-mongers it will cost you ten thousand pounds which should be paid to me in notes if you agree put an advertisement in the agony column of the morning mist and i will arrange a meeting where the money can be paid over on no account address me at my office or endeavour to interview me there yours very truly j brown poltavo read the letter and now the function of gossip's corner was very clear he refolded the letter and handed it back to the girl i may not be clever said the visitor but i think i can understand what blackmail is when i see it poltavo was in a quandary but only for a moment i did not write that letter he said suavely it was written without my knowledge when i said i was the editor of this paper i meant of course that i was the acting editor mr brown conducts his business quite independently of myself i know all the circumstances he added hastily since he was very anxious that the girl should not refuse him further information in the belief that he was an inconsiderable quantity and i sympathize with you most sincerely a little smile curled the lips of the visitor paul tavo was ever a judge of men and women and he knew that this was no yielding timid creature to be terrified by the fear of exposure the matter can be left in the hands of captain brackley and my husband to settle she said i am going to take the letter to my solicitors i shall also show it to the two men most affected now the letter had been written four days earlier as poltavo had seen and he argued that if it had not been revealed to these two men most affected in the first heat of the lady's anger and indignation it would never be shown at all i think you are very wise he said suavely after all what is a little unpleasantness of that character who cares about the publication of a few letters has he got letters asked the girl quickly with a change of tone poltavo bowed again will they be returned she asked poltavo nodded and the girl bit her lips thoughtfully i see she said she looked at the letter again and without another word went out 
Poltavo accompanied her to the outer door. "'It is the prettiest kind of blackmail,' she said at parting, and she spoke without heat. "'I have only now to consider which will pay me best.' The Pole closed the door behind her and walked back to his inner office, opened the door and stood aghast, for sitting in the chair which he had so recently vacated was the veiled man. He was chuckling, partly at Poltavo's surprise, partly at some amusing thought. "'Well done, Poltavo,' he said. "'Excellently fenced.' did you hear asked the pole surprised in spite of himself every word said the other well what do you think of it poltavo pulled a chair from the wall and sat down facing his chief i think it is very clever he said admiringly but i also think i am not getting sufficient salary the veiled man nodded i think you are right he agreed and i will see that it is increased what a fool the woman was to come here either a fool or a bad actress said poltavo what do you mean asked the other quickly poltavo shrugged his shoulders to my mind he said after a moment's thought there is no doubt that i have witnessed a very clever comedy an effective one i grant because it has accomplished all that was intended and what was intended asked mr brown curiously it was intended by you and carried out by you in order to convey to me the exact character of your business said poltavo i judge that fact from the following evidence he ticked off the points one by one on his long white fingers the lady's name was according to the envelope let us say lady cruxbury but the lady's real name according to some silver initials on her bag began with g those initials i also noted on the little handkerchief she took from her bag therefore she was not the person to whom the letter was addressed or if she was the letter was a blind in such an important matter lady cruxbury would come herself my own view is that there is no lady cruxbury that the whole letter was concocted and was delivered to me whilst you were watching me from some hiding-place in order to test my discretion and as i say to make me wise in the ways of your admirable journal mr brown laughed long and softly you are a clever fellow poltavo he said admiringly and you certainly deserve your rise of salary now i am going to be frank with you i admit that the whole thing was a blind you now know my business and you now know my raison d'etre so to speak are you willing to continue at a price said the other name it said the veiled man quietly i am a poor adventurer began poltavo my life cut all that stuff out said mr brown roughly i am not going to give you a fortune I am going to give you the necessities of life and a little comfort poltavo walked to the window and thrusting his hands deep into his trouser pockets stared out presently he turned the necessities of life to me he said are represented by a flat in st james street a car a box at the opera you will get none of these interrupted mr brown be reasonable poltavo smiled i am worth a fortune to you he said because i have imagination here for example he picked out a letter from a heap on the desk and opened it the calligraphy was typically latin and the handwriting was vile here is a letter from an italian he said which to the gross mind may perhaps represent wearisome business details to a mind of my caliber it is clothed in rich possibilities he leaned across the table his eyes lighted up with enthusiasm there may be an enormous fortune in this and he tapped the letter slowly here is a man who desires the great english newspaper of which he has heard though heaven only knows how he can have heard it 
to discover the whereabouts and identity of a certain m fallock the veiled man started fallock he repeated poltavo nodded our friend fallock has built a house of great wonder to quote the letter of our correspondent in this house are buried millions of lira doesn't that fire your imagination dear colleague built a house did he repeated the other our friends tell me poltavo went on did i tell you it was written on behalf of two men that they have a clue and in fact they know mr fallock's address and they are sure he is engaged in a nefarious business but they require confirmation of their knowledge the man at the table was silent his fingers drummed nervously on the blotting pad and his head was sunk forward as a man weighing a difficult problem all child's talk he said roughly these buried treasures i have heard of them before they are just imaginative foreigners i suppose they want you to advance their fare that is exactly what they ask said poltavo the man at the desk laughed uneasily behind his veil and rose it's the spanish prison trick he said surely you are not deceived by that sort of stuff poltavo shrugged his shoulders speaking as one who has also languished in a spanish prison he smiled and who has also sent out invitations to the generous people of england to release him from his sad position a release which could only be made by generous payments i thoroughly understand the delicate workings of that particular fraud but we robbers of spain dear colleague do not write in our native language we write in good or bad english we write not in vilely spelt italian because we know that the recipient of our letter will not take the trouble to get it translated no this is no spanish prison trick this is genuine may i see the letter poltavo handed it across the table and the man turning his back for a moment upon his assistant lifted his veil and read he folded the letter and put it in his pocket i will think about it he said gruffly another privilege i would crave from you in addition to the purely nominal privilege of receiving more salary said poltavo what is it the pole spread out his hands in a gesture of self-depreciation it is weak of me i admit he said but i am anxious foolishly anxious to return to the society of well-clothed men and pretty women i pine for social life it is a weakness of mine he added apologetically i want to meet stockbrokers financiers politicians and other chevaliers d'industrie on equal terms to wear the grand habit to listen to soft music to drink good wine well asked the other suspiciously what am i to do introduce me to society said poltavo sweetly most particularly do i desire to meet that merchant prince of whose operations i read in the newspapers mr how do you call him farrington the veiled man sat in silence for a good minute and then he rose opened the cupboard and put in his hand there was a click and the cupboard with its interior swung back revealing another room which was in point of fact an adjoining suite of offices also rented by mr brown he stood silently in the opening his chin on his breast his hands behind him then you are very clever poltavo he said and passed through and the cupboard swung back in its place End of chapter 1 Read by Don W. Jenkins Rancho San Diego, California Shaggybark.blogspot.com